to our 100th episode. I personally didn't think we would be around this long, but here we are. And as it is our 100th episode, we do need to think how we move forward with this podcast. So any feedback that you can give us on what we're doing right, anything we can do to improve, what you like about us, what you don't like about us, would be greatly appreciated. If you can drop me a line at sisterb007 at gmail.com and we will, God willing, try and incorporate that in future episodes. So please do get in touch. It would be lovely to hear from you. Carrying on with the theme of Palestine, I will be reading Be Inspired by This Jerusalem Prophecy, posted by Z.A. Rahman in 2018 and can be viewed at islam21c.com. Let's read. Be Inspired by This Jerusalem Prophecy. One of the sacred places on earth is Syria. The most sacred part of Syria is Palestine. The most sacred part of Palestine is Jerusalem. The most sacred part of Jerusalem is the Noble Sanctuary. And the most sacred part of the Noble Sanctuary is Masjid al-Aqsa. The advent of Islam and the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, was one that ushered light into a world filled with darkness, and hope to a people filled with dejection. He, peace be upon him, was indeed the bearer of glad tidings. The Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, informed us of events which will befall this Ummah, i.e. the Muslim community. Some of these narrations speak of the evil that will occur, that which would distance us from Allah, the Most High, and make us weak in front of the nations. We are, today, actual witnesses to many of these events. In such periods, it is sometimes easy to forget and overlook the good that is also due to transpire of a future power and honour for the Muslims who will be well established in the land. When we look to the example and life of the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, we see that he was a hopeful and optimistic person. Much like the onset of his messengership, which came to the darkest place on earth during the darkest age of human history, so too do we find that during his life, when all seemed at a loss, when the citadel of darkness had been stormed by the forces of evil and treachery, the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, would inspire the believers with hope. In the hurricane of fear, he stood firm like a mountain, unrelenting in his mission. The Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, was always optimistic. Prophecies in Times of Hardship When the Prophet, peace be upon him, and Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, were making hijrah, migrating from Makkah to Medina, they were pursued by the Quraysh with their most skilled tracker, Suraka bin Malik, leading the way. A bounty was placed on their head and Suraka was hopeful of that bounty. He was, in fact, the only one to come close to catching the messenger, peace be upon him, and Abu Bakr. But whenever he would come upon them, 
his horse would suddenly sink knee-deep into the sand. When this had happened three times, he understood that the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, was protected and that he would not be able to capture him. He asked the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, to ask Allah to let him go and in return he would tell the Quraysh that they too would not be able to capture them as they were under the protection of Allah. The messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, asked Allah and Allah accepted his request. Saraka asked the Prophet, peace be upon him, to give him a written note as a means of security, which was provided to him. During this, the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, was looking to the day when the mighty Persian Empire would crumble. To just pause for a moment, the Persian Empire was one of the most powerful of ancient empires. At the time Islam came on the scene, the Persian Empire had already been around for hundreds of years. As a military power, there simply was no comparison. Yet, the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, turned to Suraka and said, How will you feel when you are wearing the bracelets of Kisra, the king of Persia? Within a decade or two, after the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, had passed away, the Muslims conquered Persia. Amongst the booty sent to the Caliph of the time, Umar bin Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him, were the bracelets of Kisra. Recalling the words and prophecy of the Prophet, peace be upon him, Umar called for Saraka, who by now was elderly and had embraced Islam at the conquest of Mecca. Umar handed Saraka the bracelet and other items of Kisra for him to wear. And with this, the vision of the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, was fulfilled. Some years after the migration, the Battle of Khanzak trenches took place. It was also known as Ahzab Confederates because along with the Qurayshi polytheists, local Jewish and Arab tribes and groups came together in order to attack the Muslims in Medina. Muslims dug trenches to keep out the enemy and in the midst of all this, some were terrorised by fear at the fact that the whole of Arabia had gathered against them. The Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, remained optimistic and reiterated the promises of Allah when he struck a rock three times. And each time he struck, a bright light would spark. In another narration, it is said it was like a light in the middle of a dark night. This is evidence that the three sparks came up with each strike. The Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, said, Allahu Akbar, I was given the keys of Damascus. I swear by Allah that I see the red palaces of Damascus now. On the second strike, he said, Allahu Akbar, I was given the keys of Persia. I swear by Allah that I see the city of Madayin, of the Khosros, and his white palace. Then, on the third strike, he said, Allahu Akbar, I was given the keys of Yemen. I swear by Allah that I see the gates of Sana'a now. The hypocrites amongst them would highlight and dwell on the reality that they, the Muslims, were under siege and yet the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, talked of leading the world. It served to boost the Iman, faith, of the believers. These glad tidings 
made clear to them that whatever happened during this battle, the Ummah was destined for greater things. Of course, we know that within two decades or so, the vision of the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, was fulfilled and all the places mentioned had come under the rule of Islam. At other times, the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, made decisions that were not for his time, but for a future generation. This can be exemplified by looking at the Miqat, the point boundary at which the Ihram can commence. The Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, made Dul Khulayfa the Miqat for the people of Medina, Al Jufa for the people of Sham, Qarn Al Manazil for the people of Najd, and Yalamlam for the people of Yemen. At the time that these Mawaqid were set by the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, there was no Muslim community in the direction of Persia, Syria, or Yemen. And yet, the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, showed he was a visionary and believed a time would come when Islam and Muslims would reach every corner of the earth. Recent Events and the Prophecy of Jerusalem The recent announcement concerning the status of Jerusalem and its being designated by Donald Trump and the American administration as the capital of the illegal and occupying state of Israel is, in the words of the Malaysian Defence Minister, Hishamuddin Hussein, a slap in the face of the Muslim world. It brings to light just how weak the Ummah's position is. In this situation, it is very easy to become despondent. However, we learn from the above examples that the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, would use such times to inspire hope and it is therefore an opportune time for us to recall the prophecies regarding Jerusalem. Abdullah bin Khawala al-Azdi, may Allah be pleased with him, reported that the Prophet, peace be upon him, put his hand on my head and said, Ibn Khawala, if you see that the Caliphate has taken abode in the sacred land, Jerusalem, then the earthquakes and tribulations and great events are at hand. The last hour on that day will be closer to people than my hand is to your head. Yunus bin Masera, may Allah be pleased with him, also relates that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, This matter, the Caliphate, will be after me in Medina, then Al-Sham, then Jazeera, then Iraq, then in the city, then in Al-Quds, Jerusalem. If it is in Al-Quds, its home country is there, and if any people expel it, it will not return there, ever. Abd al-Rahman bin Abi Umayra, may Allah be pleased with him, relates that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, There will be an oath of allegiance according to guidance in Al-Quds, Jerusalem. These truly are amazing ahadith. What we can glean from them is that not only will Jerusalem be liberated, but that the seat of the Khalif will also become established in the land. The precise order of places mentioned in one of the above hadiths, is truly fascinating. We know that the Khilafah started in Medina, then during the rules of the Umayyads, transferred to Sham, Syria. The next place mentioned, Jazeera, Upper Mesopotamia, is a place which in the early periods of Islam covered the areas between what we today refer to as Iraq, Syria and Turkey, including cities such as Mosul 
and Raqqa, which were the primary centres for the Umayyad Khalifa of old and Haran. During the reign of the Umayyad Khalif Hisham bin Abdul Malik between 724 to 743, made the city of Risafa, which comes within the district of Raqqa, his home residence, where he built several palaces. Then during the reign of Marwan II, the city of Haran became the seat of the Khalifa, stretching from Spain to Central Asia, between 744 to 750, until it was conquered and looted by the Abbasids in 750. Both Raqqa and Haran came within the area that was known as Jazeera, and it is apparent, therefore, that Jazeera was the temporary seat of the Umayyads during their end period. The next location mentioned, Iraq, was fulfilled by the Abbasids, who made Baghdad their imperial capital. As regards the next location, many scholars have stated that the reference to the city was regarding as Heraclius's city of Constantinople, Istanbul, which of course became the capital of the Uthmani Khilfa. This then leaves one more city, Al-Quds, Jerusalem. At no point in the glorious history of Islam has the Khilfa been in Jerusalem. Salahuddin, who conquered Jerusalem from the barbaric crusaders, was not the Khalif of the Muslims. He was honoured with the title of Sultan, who himself gave allegiance to the Abbasids. In any event, his base of the Ayyubids was Damascus and not Jerusalem. Points to note. Looking through the history of Islam, we learn that neither godly leader nor brave liberator emerges, except that there are pious individuals and scholars around to teach and guide them and to face their struggles. The obvious example is the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, and the Sahaba, who he had cultivated and nurtured. Leadership has many facets, all of which were possessed by the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him. Amongst these was the ability to motivate, inspire and give hope, a particular ingredient missing in many today. We find this aspect of leadership woven through all great characters in the history of Islam. Take as an example Salahuddin. He was nurtured by the scholar and ruler Nuruddin Zengi, who laid the foundations for the liberation of Al-Aqsa and who inspired Salahuddin. Just as the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, set the Miqat for a future purpose, Nuruddin built an exquisite and elaborate mimbar in Aleppo in or around 1154. This mimbar was to be placed in Masjid al-Aqsa, built over 30 years before the liberation of al-Quds at the hands of Salahuddin in 1187. Once the liberation was completed, the mimbar was placed inside the masjid. Later in life and after the death of Nuruddin, Salahuddin was motivated by the scholar Behruddin bin Shaddad to complete the liberation was accompanied by him in the battles along the way. Another example is Muhammad al-Fateh. This was a man who from the age of 12 made the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ingrained and inculcated in his heart and in particular, the hadith of conquering Constantinople was instilled in his very being by Sheikh Shamsuddin, 
such that it changed his life forever. He conquered Constantinople and with it effectively commenced the glorious reign of the Ottoman Caliphate. Sheikh Shamsuddin, like those before him, accompanied Muhammad al-Fateh in the battles along the way. During the times of the Crusades, Ibn Asakir authored his magnus opus, Tariq Medina Dimashq, History of the City of Damascus, which was the largest biographical dictionary ever produced in the medieval period. With 74 volumes plus indices of an additional six volumes, it is one of the treasures of Islamic historiography. It celebrated the holiness of Syria by documenting the lives and achievements of notable men and women who lived in this region. The principal purpose of Ibn Asakir compiling this work and emphasizing the sacredness of the land was to inspire Muslims to protect it from the Crusaders. We need scholars today to similarly educate the masses on the virtues of this sacred land, inculcate the love for it, and to remind them of the prophecy to be fulfilled. We need to inspire the Ummah to greatness once again, and perhaps then Allah will send amongst us great men such as those mentioned above. Finally, it is clear that Trump's move has only been made possible by the treachery shown by the leaders of some Muslim-majority states who have spent the last few years encircling Palestinian resistance movements like vicious sharks suffocating and all but bringing them to their knees. It was a calculated announcement made at a time wherein they would incur limited risks. However, Allah, through his messenger, peace be upon him, has already made clear that this assumption is nothing but a manifest miscalculation as the resistance will never end. Abu Huraira, may Allah be pleased with him, relates that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, A group of my Ummah will not cease to fight at the gates of Damascus and at the gates of Al-Quds, Jerusalem, and its surroundings. The betrayal or desertion of whoever deserts them will not harm them in the least. They will remain victorious, standing for the truth, until the final hour rises. That is it for this episode. Again, it was dated 2018, but we learn quite a bit about the prophecies surrounding Jerusalem. May Allah have mercy on us all. Please do drop me a line and tell me what you think of this episode and all previous episodes. And God willing, I will read it in a future episode. As always, please do leave a review and rating wherever you listen. And remember to share the podcast with your family and friends. We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and we're also on YouTube as a voice-only channel. Do join our Islamic Audio Bytes community on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And do check out our website at islamicaudiobytes.com. If you'd like to contact me directly, please do so at sisterb 7 at gmail.com. As always, hope your day is full of goodness. Assalamu alaikum.